everyone. Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff at Northview Community Church, and I am joined by my friend Crystal. Hello. Crystal, what do you do here? I'm the pastor of women. That's here? it? That's, That's all you it? Do? Yep. <laughs> and I, I don't know, put my fingers in all of the things. Yeah. Meddle, meddle wherever I can. <laughs> I thought we should give a little family update on what's going on for each of us. Uh, sure. Um, I am getting ready to have my third son graduate, my wow. third child. Your so, last one. I know, my last one. So that'll be this June. I've had to cancel all kinds of plans to make it sure that I could be here, but that's yeah. good. It's good to be here. Um, and my daughter, Jessica, is moving home from CBC and she's taking over our basement suite. So she has nice. her own spot. So that's fun. I heard she's looking forward to painting it. She is. She's got it a couple of three or four walls done. So oh, okay. she's going to make it her own. She's got my dad lined up to help her build for some furniture. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. And then my other kids are... Clayton and Taylor are in Vancouver, UBC. So Clayton is almost one year married. Yes, getting June 3rd, June. it'll be a yeah. year, yeah. Yep, they're planning to go overseas next fall, so that's kind of exciting for them. Wow. Yeah, study abroad. And tell us about your course. You must be finished almost. I am one, one week away. Next Monday is my last class. Okay. Um, so yeah, excited to have one more down, but it's been a really interesting class. It's, been, it's called Gospel and Culture. And um, the prof, Steve Garber at Regent College, is uh, originally from Washington, D.C. So okay. he's done a lot of teaching in very, yeah, kind of highly urban political settings. And so it just talks about how our gospel, how the gospel can be a public faith in all these different areas of our life. So in terms of how we engage with technology, how we engage with uh, world events, um, just so many different pieces. We've kind of countered a different topic every week. So it's really yeah. good, really been interesting. So some people might not know what you're studying for. Yeah. So I'm doing a uh, master's of art or master's of theology at Regent College uh, with a concentration in biblical studies. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a very, um, because it's kind of a very specific program, I don't have a lot of electives. I just basically do what they tell me to do. Okay. <laughs> so lots of intensive biblical exegesis classes, the language classes. Um, and then some fun ones thrown in like this one. Yeah. And I had a history of Christianity class, which was amazingly interesting. Um, couple at Christian thought and culture, all those kind of pieces. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really neat program. So some people say, why don't I just take the immerse program here? Because we have this immerse program going on here and I'm driving all the way to Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, um, I have all the practical training already right now, which is the, the bonus of our Immerse program Yes, for Kendra and Sarah and all them. They're getting trained as being pastors and getting the intellectual side. Whereas like I've already had that for eight years, the yeah. practical stuff. And so that's great for them. Uh, but for me, what I uh, need a little bit more at this point is just some of the different input from other people mm -hmm. and other scholars and other places. So uh, for me, this is why I've decided to do that. But I think both models are great. Yeah. How far along are you? I am. Uh, so the program is 60 credits, which is 20 courses. And this will be my uh, 12th course. So I have eight more to go. Okay. So, Over halfway. I know. Getting there. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's good. I really enjoy it. Like yeah. as much as it's hard work and I'm not looking forward to finishing off my paper this weekend. Uh, whenever I come out of a class, I'm just feel good about it. I have not encountered one bad professor yet. Wow. <laughs> They've all been like just excellent. That's amazing. So I can't speak highly enough of, yeah, what I've had my experience there. That's so great. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. in our house, we are in tax season. Okay. Well, I should yeah. say Mark is, yeah. which means he's nowhere to be found except in his office. So that's pretty busy. Hunker down. Yep. That's what we're used to. And Ava is just finishing off her second year at Trinity Western in business. And she has decided that she will probably follow in her dad's footsteps and pursue her accounting. So that's been kind of funny to watch that. Funny because it's so opposite you. It is so opposite me. And yeah. so, but so like it's Mark. interesting to see her wrestle with the fact that, oh, I really am a business girl. And, oh, I really am into accounting. Those are my favorite courses. And, just, and feeling good about that. And feeling good about that. But it's not sort of a typical girl's direction. So kind of having to struggle with that a little bit. But yep. it really is her. Yeah. So that's neat. Yeah. And Carter is just in his first week at... In Sweden, at the Sweden Capenry School there. Yeah, so he spent the fall in Germany. He spent the fall and, and the winter in Germany and then traveled for a little bit in between. I think he had two weeks in between where he did a mission trip to Albania. From Albania, went to Greece, from Greece to Copenhagen, Copenhagen up to Sweden. Like, so fun. So like all these traveling. places that he's going to know. It's so great. I know. To see the growth spiritually and relationally is just incredible. So he won't be back till June. So Staying away from you guys as long as possible. I know. And they signed up for Trinity in the fall, so... That'll be good. Yeah. And that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we also have a few updates from Women's Ministry. We have a conference coming up. Yeah. So first of all, we have our next set of classes starting up next week. Um, so that's fun. It's mm -hmm. always great to start up a new set of classes. So if you want to look online, you'll see the options. We have a Nehemiah study, and also which is Gospel Coalition Teachers Teaching, and then us having class discussion. And then there's going to be one on Remarkable Lives, which is Christian biographies. And so wow. as Kendra and Sarah have been preparing for that, they come to us with tears in their eyes about <laughs> just seeing the lives of people and yeah. how they faithfully live the gospel message. And so they're excited to teach it. And I know it'll be great. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, April 27th, 28th, we have the Women's Conference. And I think we have over 200 people signed up already, which yeah. is awesome. And it'll be basically just walking through... Um, the biblical perspective or biblical teaching on how we deal with fear, anxiety, worry, all those things. And so we figured this was super practical. Um, everybody struggles with these things. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to have, I mean, every time we do try and do a topic that's practical, but yeah. I think this will be really hitting home for people. And so mm -hmm. we've encouraged people, if you want to bring um, someone who's not from Northview, that's great. If you want to bring a non-Christian friend, that's great. Just make sure that they know we're studying the Bible. We're not trying to fool anybody into yeah. something that isn't actually what they're going to expect. So we'll have worship songs and and reading scripture. But if they want to come and see what the Bible has to say about this, they yeah. are more than welcome. Or if you're part of a small women's ministry group at a different church, you don't have access to kind of conferences and retreats, you're very welcome to For join sure. us. Yeah. And then keep continuing on with what you're doing at your church. We yeah, would love we don't to want have to you. take people away from their church stuff that they're doing. No, but if just they want for to come, a short conference, it would be yeah, great. Yeah, if you want to come and even might help you connect with other people from your church. Like if you come as a group together, you yeah. can enjoy the weekend together and then go back and be invigorated together. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple more resources. A few weeks ago, Crystal and I, and I can't think of who was with that podcast about engaging culture. Aaron, maybe? Christine or somebody like Christine. That. Okay. Yeah, Christine. We Aaron. talked about, yeah. okay, engaging culture. And I thought since then of two more resources that might be helpful for you. One is an apologetics Bible for students. Mm. And the first few pages of this Bible has a, a list of all the questions that are throughout the book of the, or throughout the Bible. I'm you know, what does God say about the Holy Spirit? What about demons? Hmm. What about the Mormon faith? What's hmm. the difference between Judaism and Christianity? Cool. And all kinds of things like that that people can address. So that's a really great Bible. 
Apologetics Bible for Students. And then another one that I've started reading and I'm most of the way done is a book by John Stone Street, all one word, A Practical Guide to Culture. Hmm. And our kids ministry has been reading that. So Crystal forwarded that to me and I started reading it. And yeah, it's Laura, a very practical guide. Laura Wiens from yeah. Mission suggested that it would be a good one for, yeah. for families and parents. And So thank you, Laura, for that. Yeah. And I've been reading that and it is a really practical guide to culture. So a good resource for you. Our topic today, we're going to talk about what is God's will for our life. And part of that is based on a book that we have both read by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. Yeah. It was given to our grade 12ers a number of years ago. Um, just a little book. It's very easy to read, just like literally a small book, 125 pages. He's a fantastic writer. He's very uh, clear and very, very easy clear. to read. So this is what he says on the front cover. Just do something. A liberating approach to finding God's will. Or, how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, <laughs> writing in the sky, etc. <laughs> and so, your teenagers would absolutely enjoy this, young adults, all the way up through significantly middle-aged like myself and beyond. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about this. Yeah, so we thought this would be a good topic because I think almost every week someone comes to us asking us to pray for them as they're making a decision. Yeah. Um, either to pray or they want to bounce different ideas off us. Mm -hmm. They're saying, I really want to listen to God in this situation. I want to do His will. And so we thought every time that we come across something that's repeated in our conversations, we think, well, there's probably more people yeah. <laughs> that are struggling with this if we're getting this every week. Yes. There's probably more people in our congregation or other listeners um, that are struggling with this, regardless of their age and gender. And this is something that people are asking. So what are the big questions that people talk to us about in the hallways or in the offices upstairs? Well, trying to decide on a job, like if they have a few opportunities before mm -hmm. them, which one would be the best one for them. Yeah. Um, trying to decide on which school they yes. should go to. Like a lot of young adults are, you know, not settled yet in life in terms of a degree or a, um, a career, a career or, or like they're not kind of don't have a house that they already are paying a mortgage on yeah. or whatever. So there's so many opportunities and they want to make sure that they kind of take the best one. You think of kids grade 11 and 12 and up, they're trying to think, what do they do after grade 12? Do yeah. YWAM, Cape and Ray work? Do you go to a local college? Do you go further away to a university? What do you do? There are so many choices open to that particular age group that it is mind boggling for them. Yeah. And then even when they're at a university, they're trying to assess what major should I take? Should I stay at this university? Maybe it's not the best for me. Can I afford it? Where should I go next? If this isn't a good fit, should I move back home? Should I try a different university? Is that a failure? Yeah. And then all the way up through the age groups, we have... Well, yeah, because we have like stay-at-home moms. They're like, okay, yeah. should I go back to work? Uh, those kind of questions, right? Like, what's God's will for me in this situation? Yeah. Should I work part-time, full-time, a little bit from home, a little bit somewhere else? What's that going to be like for my family? Yeah. Husbands wondering if they should take a job that will take them out of town. Absolutely. Right? Or whether they should move the family somewhere because of a job opportunity that's come up somewhere else. Yeah. And then we have new widows that are always wondering, yeah. should I downsize? Should I stay in my home? Should I move somewhere else? Should I go live closer to one of my kids? But what about the other kids? You know? Well, yeah. And it, I think for widows, I was talking to my aunt who has lost, a, a couple of friends of hers have lost spouses lately over Easter. And she was saying, yeah, just all of a sudden now they're making the decision on their own again. Whereas yeah. for so many years, they made decisions as a couple. Yes. And now they're like, okay, now they have to just think of their own 
self and like, yeah. not the, to be selfish, but like they don't have to consult somebody. So what yes. do I want to do in this situation? It almost is hard to resurrect that idea because for so yeah. long it's been we, like, what are we, what, how are we going to do this? So absolutely. Yeah. And then we have lots of people, of course, because we're in a church and they want to know, should they do local missions, global missions, short term, long term? Should they do this mission trip with their family, this mission trip with their young adults group? What should they do? There's a lot of that kind of talk. Yeah. I think this topic has been around for a long time because mm-hmm. the Bible talks about what God's will is. So obviously people have questioned this or wrestled with it. But mm-hmm. I think this sheer amount of information <laughs> that we have now and opportunities, yeah. like a yeah, hundred years ago, people kind of worked in their dad's business yes. and they stayed in the town that they grew up in and they yes. married one of the six people that went to high school with them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that was kind of life's limits. Yeah. Like, you know, so the choices, I think... The choices can be paralyzing for people. The choices can be so, so paralyzing. Many. Yeah. So why else are people desperate to know God's will for their life? Um, I think they think that if they make a decision that's in line with God's will, they're going to avoid all kinds of um, negative things. Like somehow life is going to be rosy and happy. And yep. so if all of a sudden they go down a path and they see that there's challenge or hardship or suffering, they think, oh, shoot, I must not have been in God's will. Yes. Or God must be punishing me for something. Right. And so there's this mis- this misperception. We're going to talk about it as we go. But this misperception out there that if all of a sudden we kind of tap into that secret thing that God wants us to do, then life is just going to unfold into this bliss. I know. That <laughs> of would be nice. Like, no trouble. Yeah. And so we want to kind of tap into that so that we can avoid any kind of pain. And I think there is ways that following God's will, which we're going to talk about, does help us avoid pain because it helps us live in ways that honor Him. Absolutely. But it's not going to help us avoid all the things that are in this fallen world that are a result of sin. And No. Right? There's just hard things that we're going to face in life. So I have a quote on that same topic from Kevin DeYoung's book. It says, when I was a kid, I loved to read, choose your own adventure stories. You oh, those, those are so fun. Oh, yeah. I had those. Yeah. You get to a turning point in the story. And if you wanted to flee the country, you'd turn to page 23. And if you wanted to hide out in a cave, you'd turn to page 36. And oops, the cave turned to be on the side of a volcano and you die. You made the wrong choice. Fun books for little boys, but not so much fun if that's how God's will works. Many of us fear we'll take the wrong job or buy the wrong house or declare the wrong major or marry the wrong person, and suddenly our lives will blow up. We'll be out of God's will, doomed to spiritual, relational, and physical failure. Or to put it in Christianese, we'll find (laughs) ourselves out of the center of God's will. We'll miss God's best and have to settle for an alternate ending to our lives. Plan B. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Crystal, you missed it. Now you're just kind of have to shuffle along in this little route. Path over here, yeah. We absolutely feel that. Yeah. I remember when Mark and I had been married maybe four or five years, we were living in an apartment in Burnaby, renting it, and the owners of that apartment gave us notice that they were going to be back in two months and they wanted to live in their apartment, so we needed to find a different place to live. All of a sudden, we were scrambling. What do we do? Do we stay in Burnaby and find another apartment to rent? We had been kind of possibly thinking of buying a home in Burnaby, but that was out of our reach financially, and North Shore, where I grew up, was out of our reach financially. But I was working in Abbotsford, so did we, maybe you want to try renting renting in Abbotsford because it was easier for our finances and all of these questions swirling around and we were stumped and we only had two months to make this decision. So we were a little bit in a panic yeah. as to what to do. I remember my parents sitting with us and saying, you know what? The most important thing is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love others as yourself. You can do that here. You can do that in Abbotsford. You, you can make whatever choice you want to if you do those two things. Oh, well, then that just relieved the pressure. And we went on to, of course, move to Abbotsford. We're so glad about. <laughs> Yay, Haley and Mark. <laughs> but we didn't know. 
And we were in that same uh, choose your own adventure. What do you do? And and how will this end up? And will I, you know, dishonor God or my family? Will they be upset with us? Like all those things are swirling around in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what other reasons are people sort of desperate to find God's will? Well, I think genuinely we want to please God. So it's not always just that we want to avoid pain. (laughs) I think sometimes we just want to make sure that we're doing something that God will be smiling about. Yeah, because a lot of people that we meet with actually love God. Yeah. And they do want to honor Him with their lives and they want to do what would please Him. Yeah. And so they're just wanting help to clarify that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't want to turn their back on Him. No. Mm Mm-hmm. And some people are very scared. Yeah. They're timid. Yeah. And they're very cautious and they're afraid to make a choice to go forward. Like, what if that blows up? What if that goes wrong? And so you just kind of stay stuck. Yes. And don't go anywhere, which is hard to move somebody that's just kind of sitting still in one spot. Yeah. I've met with quite a number of young adults that try some form of education. So UBC Okanagan, UBC, UFE, something like that. They've chosen one and it's not going very well and they feel like a failure and they're afraid to make another choice because, well, they're already there and everybody expects them to be there and continue on in that particular path, whatever that path is, Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Science, whatever. And when I sit with them and say, it's not a failure, you've learned something, you can make a different decision. You can choose to go to UFE if it's closer to your parents' house and you can save some money or whatever. You can. And that takes a little bit of, because they're cautious and scared and they feel like uncomfortable that this will be a, a black mark on them. Yeah, but sometimes we don't know ourselves until no. we try things. No, I was my cousin was over last week, and we were just talking about, laughing about some of the different kind of career paths that her life had taken. Yeah. and she was saying like she started out at CBC doing her ECE course, and like halfway through she thought, "What am I doing? I don't like kids that yes. much." <laughs> and so she quit halfway through. Yeah, and then she started a reflexology class. And she's like, "But I don't want to touch someone's feet. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just like grosses me out." Yeah, and then she did other things, and that's kind of finally, you know, yeah. she, she figured out her way that way, but. Yeah. You're just laughing at thinking, it, yeah, well, you have to kind of think through the implications of things and then see whether that's yourself or not. Yeah. A lot of parents are stuck with this when they have kids in the elementary and middle school years. So they enroll their kids in something like baseball or hockey or ballet or whatever. And then partway through the year, they realize, oh, this doesn't really suit my kid. This doesn't really suit me. There's lots of tears and snot and bribery happening to get the kid to keep going to the lessons. <laughs> totally. But they my feel like, as a parent, lessons. I have to make them complete the year or whatever. And that's true. That could be very important for your family. On the other hand, sometimes that's the way we learn that it's not really our thing. And we need to make a different choice. And, and it's okay to give up the piano lessons or the hockey or the whatever and try something else. Yeah, I realized after my daughter and I had many struggles over her teaching, her piano practicing. And then I realized that the swim coach was asking her to come to the pool at 5.45 in the morning on Saturday mornings, and she wasn't balking at that. And I thought, oh, it's not that she's a problem with commitment. She just doesn't like piano as much as she likes swimming. Yeah. And so we have to work through these things to figure out what we like and what we don't. Yeah. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. So we started our kids in piano lessons when they were young, like grade kindergarten, grade one. I both hated it and they were just miserable and it was just an awful experience. But in grade five, Carter said, well, you know, in middle school, grade six, I want to be in the choir or the band. I said, oh, well, then you probably should take some piano lessons so you get an understanding of what music is like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Off he took piano lessons and just took off. Well, then he started playing keyboard and yeah. stuff in the bands and stuff, Yeah, right? he yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. But it was, was a few years later and he'd had a chance to mature and grow up and decide what suited him. Yeah. And that's just for kids. But we as adults are not that much different. No. 
we move to a town and then we decide, well, I don't think that this is quite the right fit. So you can move somewhere else. Well, and you even have had like <laughs> yeah. big career changes because yeah. you used to play piano yeah. and accompany choirs yes, and stuff. And now you're like, you don't want Johnny to know that. So <laughs> no, I know I'm kind of on the discreet there. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about a better understanding of God's will. You have two categories, God's secret will and God's revealed will. Can you yeah. talk us through God's secret will? Well, what I'll do is I'll read Deuteronomy 29, 29, because what I love about this verse, when people ask me about God's will, is that this verse talks about both kinds of God's will in it. It's very clear and concise and easy to wrap your mind around. So I'll read it. It goes like this. This is Moses speaking. And he says, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Mm-hmm. And so if you look throughout scripture, if you want to do a study on this, like Wayne Grudem's systematic theology or whatever, he'll walk you through God's secret will and God's revealed will. So the secret things, it says in Deuteronomy 29, belong to the Lord, our God. So the secret things are God's the way that God's kind of working behind the scenes in the yeah. universe, the things that we don't necessarily need to know, but God's doing. So yes. people will ask, well, why is Donald Trump allowed to become president? Right. <laughs> well, somehow God allowed that in his secret will for some reason. Yes. Because if God didn't want that to happen, it wouldn't happen. True. Or didn't want to allow that to happen. Right. Yes. So there is God working behind the scenes um, in world events. Yeah. Right. And in, in who raises up as leaders, who falls and, and diff- different things that happen. Yeah. And there's a ways he's acting behind the scenes in our own lives. So there's circumstances that he's bringing upon us for our growth, for the development of our character, um, things like he's maybe putting an opportunity in front of us for a new work or just a new way of thinking about things. A random encounter with somebody that we're not expecting, but that person's going to maybe change our life path because of the way that they interact with us. And he's orchestrating and bringing some of these things into our life in a secret way that he's not telling us ahead of time, oh, tomorrow I'm going to cross your paths with so-and-so and and that's going to change your whole career direction because they're going to give you this idea that you never had before. But he's doing it. And we sometimes don't know those things until we look back. Exactly. And we see how God's hand has been weaving through our lives, but we didn't know it at the time. Yeah, which is the advantage of being 47 compared to 27. I was talking to my daughter and some friends a while ago, and they're all at that beginning stage. Yes. And I said, oh, but when you're 20 years later, you're going to look back and you're going to see, oh, I see how God used that and how God used this and how God used that and to bring me where I am now. But And all the things you learned through the positive and the negative, Mm -hmm. through the relationship breakups and the job losses and the new school opportunities, God is weaving something through all of that that we don't understand at the time. Yeah. And some of them may be hard things that God's Mm -hmm. bringing into our life to build our character. Like a financial hardship may not mean you're out of God's will. It may mean that God's trying to reveal to you that you are counting too much on money and you need to start counting on Him more. Yes. And so there's different pieces that God brings in secretly behind the scenes because He has a plan and a purpose for us. Mm -hmm. And so we don't need to know those. (laughs) Deuteronomy says those belong to God. So we don't need to think that we have to be like in this scavenger hunt that God's giving us all these clues. And if we don't understand all the kind of the secret clues, we're not going to be walking in his God, Mm -hmm. in his will. We're just going to assume that God leads and guides and and does things, orchestrates things. But the things revealed are what it says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So the things revealed are God's will, the way that we're supposed to live in order to honor God. And that is not unclear. And so Genesis to Revelation, we're going to read a whole bunch of scriptures at the end, show us, teach us 
how we are supposed to live. And so that's what we're responsible for. Yes. We're not responsible for knowing God's behind the scenes plan, no. but we are responsible for how we interact with every situation that we encounter. Yeah. The people that we encounter, the, the bad circumstances, the good circumstances, that's what we're going to be responsible for as we stand before him. Mm-hmm. And so we get all bent out of shape because we don't know God's secret will. Yeah. But we don't need to know it. God's going to figure that out. But what we need to do is follow his revealed will. So... And sometimes it's really good that we don't know in advance I know. what God is doing behind the scenes. Totally. Yeah. So I think of, yeah, situations like that where my dad a couple of years ago was on life support in the hospital and we had a couple of months of not knowing just so much uncertainty as, first of all, whether he'd live or not and then whether they could deal with his cancer or not. And if I had known about that four months prior, I would have spent four months worrying about it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, I didn't know blissfully unaware, but yeah. when it came... God gave us the strength we needed and the people around us and the encouragement to walk through it. Yeah. But if we knew all those things, yeah, I think we'd live in the paralyzing Oh, we'd be fear. a mess. We'd be yeah. curled up on the floor, just a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it seems exciting for people. I think there's all kinds of ways that people want to kind of tap into God's secret will. But I think what we need to do is just look at what God tells us to do in his word. We think that's boring, but that's actually what is required of us. Living in a way that honors him. Like he said, loving God, loving your neighbor, like your parents gave you that Mm -hmm. great advice. Um, So, yeah. Okay, let's talk about God's revealed will. I'll start this off. We know that God has revealed his will in scripture. Yeah. In the Bible. And it's really important that we read it and we study it. And we can't say this enough. And I was one of my regrets that in my early 20s, I did read it and I eventually did join some Bible studies, but not as much as I did in my later 20s, early 30s. Like I kind of regret those earlier years where I didn't dig in as much as I should have. So I would really encourage you to. And one of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, which is us as Christians, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like, it's amazing to think that the Bible does all of that. It is our manual to equip us for everything that we need to do. It corrects us, it teaches us, it reproves us. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be in the dark. No. No, if we follow his will, or if if we know his word. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other verses like Romans 12, 1 to 2, which talks about letting our minds be uh, transformed by the sp- power of God, not being conformed yes. to this world, but being letting our minds be transformed so that we will know God's will. So it's also that matter of kind of putting ourselves into subjection to Him and allowing Him to transform mm-hmm. our minds. And like you said, when you talk to people, you encourage them to read like the whole book of Acts. Yeah. So why do you encourage them to do that? Well, it's very interesting if you read the book of Acts to watch Paul and the other apostles as they make decisions. Yeah. So they'll sometimes say, well, we wanted to go here, but the Spirit blocked us. Or we would really like to go there before winter if possible. Or in groups, they'll say, well, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so they continued on with the decision. And All the way through, there's all these points where they have to make decisions about where to go next, but their primary aim is to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. So they have the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. Let's go and tell people about Jesus. And where we go, we'll make the decisions that's best to us if God changes us, our direction, fine. Yeah. And they're often on their way somewhere and then they're shipwrecked. So they're (laughs) now they're on an island and they tell those people about Jesus. Yeah. Or they're on their way somewhere and then they get a message from somebody that we really need help over here. And so then they, okay, let's go help that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. 
I like um, when we did the First Corinthians study this last mm-hmm. semester, um, as we ended the book, we had First Corinthians 16, verses 5 to 10, or 5 to 9, I'll read. <clears throat> so this is Paul talking to the church and saying when he's going to visit them next. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. So again, very, I intend <laughs> to do this, and I will do this later. And perhaps I will stay with you, or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. So he's not giving them any clear no. idea of whether or not he will or how long. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. Mm-hmm. So he's showing that if God thinks this is a good idea, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Right. And the reason I wanted to le- read this passage is because it shows that, you know, his being open to God's leading, his um, intention to do things and be open to God in the middle of that. But also verse 9, which really struck a lot of people as we studied it, because he talks about he's having a wide door for ministry or for effective work. But at the same time, there's many adversaries, many opponents. And people got, kind of wrap their mind around the idea that, oh... I could be doing God's will and facing a lot of opposition at the same time, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the road is going to be paved clear. Just because I'm doing a wide door has been open for me doesn't mean that everything's necessarily going to be rosy. And so that was a good tension to see even within scripture there in Paul, the way that Paul understood his uh, following God. Well, even this week, I met with a a young woman whose engagement had broken off. Hmm. And in addition to the engagement breaking off, there are all kinds of difficult health issues with her parents and grandparents. And there's all kinds of other kind of financial struggles throughout the extended family and difficulty after difficulty. And she started to think that, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Mm. Maybe God is punishing me. Mm. Maybe I have made a wrong choice. Maybe something like this because it's all going sideways. Yeah. Instead of realizing that actually we live in a broken world where there is illness and disease and injury and engagements break off and all kinds of things like that happen. It doesn't mean that you aren't a Christian, that you aren't steadfastly following God, which I believe she is. Yeah. I know I love those pictures that they give in in the Psalms and in Jeremiah, I think, where it talks about, you know, the desire for us to be like rooted trees by the water, Mm -hmm. because it says then when the storms hit and the drought comes, you can still bear fruit in season. So the recognition that we can be rooted, we can be meditating on God's word, and yet there's still going to be storms that hit and droughts that come. And our goal then is to be rooted in the midst of those. But those, the existence of storms or drought doesn't mean that we're not following God. It's just, that's the way life is. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> we know also that God can speak through dreams yeah. and visions. Yeah. We uh, know that we don't want to put God in a box. He is very capable of doing all kinds of things. To direct us and yeah. guide us. Yeah. But the main reliable source is the Bible. Yeah. That's where we know we can depend on it to show God's revealed will for us. Yeah. And the main reliable source is not how we feel about a situation. <laughs> no, no, that's a really good point. We need to talk about that. A lot of people will come to meet with me and they feel at peace and they feel happy about a decision they have been making or, you know, direction they're going in their life. But I know that it's sinful. So people who are sleeping with their boyfriends, people who are uh, involved in regular pornography, people who are hiding deceptively things like cheating on their tax returns, gambling, um, deceptive finances with their spouse, all kinds of things. I know that it's sinful what you're doing. Pursuing a relationship outside of their marriage. Oh yeah, flirting and emotional affairs and all kinds of stuff. And if you're feeling peace and happy in that kind of situation, that's false because that is not in alignment with the Bible. 
Yeah, and God's yeah. will or God's word recognizes that because like mm-hmm. there were Old Testament prophets and other people who were, who were trying to make people feel at peace with idol worship, at peace with things. And so our feelings are not a gauge no. of truth. No. And God says in his word, like even if people tell you these things and even if their prophecy kind of seems to come true, but they're telling you not to worship me, like don't listen to them. Yeah. And so we need to realize our, our feelings cannot be our guide. No, because actually following God faithfully often is uncomfortable and it isn't a whoosh and there isn't necessarily peace and happiness. Like remaining pure before marriage, not having sex is a really uncomfortable spot to be. It is not, there's no whoosh in that. It's hard work to remain pure before marriage. It's hard work to not be uh, tempted to go towards pornography. You're having to discipline yourself. Or if you're tempted to eat lots of extra helpings and gluttony, like just be involved in all kinds of extra food, greedy that way, it's really uncomfortable to put limits on yourself. You have to deal with the cravings and the discomfort. There is not a sense of peace and happiness in that. No. There will be joy, like when you get married and you've been able to stay pure and you feel good about that decision, you know, you've been faithful to God and that you and your spouse are kind of together on that. There's a joy in it. But in the middle of it, it's not easy. No, people who are giving up addictions, alcohol and drugs, it's very, very hard work and very uncomfortable and not very peaceful or happy at all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but there is, like you said, there is blessing. There is reward when we are obedient to God. Mm -hmm. But we encourage you to come and talk with us. And we know that when we mess up, we simply say, Lord, please forgive me. And sometimes we have to apologize to others, and then we keep walking forward with him, and he helps us. Yeah. Anyway, okay, we'll stop. <laughs> stop the rant. Get into the preaching. Yeah. <laughs> How else do we determine God's will for our life? So we've got scripture. What else? Um, prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, like James 1 talks about, you know, if you lack wisdom, pray that God yeah. will give it to you. And he doesn't, he's not like a God who wavers and, um, yeah, is untrustworthy. So pray and trust that he'll give it to you. Yeah. Psalm 121 talks about, um, yeah, remembering that the Lord is our help, looking yeah. out to the hills, remembering that the God that created us um, is, who created the world, is also the one looking over us. So that's a really good one for around here. I will often pray that with people and say, when you leave my office and you're driving or walking, lift your eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Remind ourselves that he's the one who gives wisdom. He's the one who comforts. He's the one who guides. According to his word, he's the one that will intervene. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to trusted people in our lives. Yeah. Um, so writing out pros and cons lists yeah. with them, saying, <laughs> okay, practical. this is what I see as the reasons I should, I, well, I shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, just doing those kind of things. Just using the common sense and the brains that God has given us. Yeah. Because we have to consider our finances. We have to consider our families. We have to consider a variety of different things in our life. And it's okay to do that. Yeah. The book of Proverbs is a great book for mm-hmm. lots of practical wisdom on you know, what how God wants us to work practically through situations. And yeah. We had lots of fun doing podcasts on that last yeah, year when we, were po- when we were talking through that as a sermon series, yeah, that's right? Because they're so practical. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I remember walking in the fog one day and just realizing that you can get paralyzed by fog, but as you walk forward, the way, you know, the fog clears. Just in the step ahead of you. Yeah. Not like a mile down no. the road, just a little spot. Yeah. So I think that was a good reminder to me or kind of a teaching moment to mm-hmm. say, okay, I have to keep walking forward and then God can clear the way. If I stand yeah. here and get paralyzed by this fog, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. But as I move forward, God, I'll, I just trust that God's going to keep directing me. Yeah. So I think that's a nice image to keep in our minds. Yeah. It's sort of like that flashlight in the dark. The flashlight only lights up a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. The word is a lamp to your feet. Yeah. In the Psalms. That's right. Yeah. 
And so just kind of keep that image in your mind that you don't have to know the future. You just need to take the next step and God can redirect you if he needs to with other people around you and with scripture. Because that's the thing is too, is the more we read and study scripture, sometimes we realize, oh, we have been operating out of alignment. We haven't been following the truth of the scripture. So we can just, oh, as we know better, then we do better with God's help. Yeah. We're not all arrived. Oh, no, we're not all arrived. (laughs) Not even now. (laughs) No, no. That's true. Yeah. We're going to close by ending all, reading all kinds of scripture that point to God's will for our life today, in the everyday. If you're wondering about the future, of course, you can keep wondering about the future, but sometimes it's helpful just to kind of focus on who, what does God say in his word about how to follow him? Yeah. So the first one that's really important to me is from Mark chapter 12, 28 to 31. And I already said this, it's essentially love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love others as yourself. Yeah. You said that your dad had done a whole year of yeah. study on that, oh, like drawing pictures year. and just oh. meditating on it and what that means. That's... Posters and binders and books. Yeah. And he had all over the house uh, posters on all of these different words. He did word studies all throughout the Bible. <laughs> For years. Yeah. I think he still has that. So it's etched in my brain. Right. Um, Mark 6.33 is at the end of a whole passage about not being anxious. And this is how it ends. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So as you are making decisions, um, seek God's kingdom first. Um, Look at what his priorities are, what his purposes are, and keep those things in mind. And then don't worry so much about the the other pieces. Yeah. Psalms are a fantastic place to go. One of the best ones in terms of what to do for, in terms of relationship with God is Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Hmm. So the commands in there to yeah. shout and to praise yeah. and to come to the Lord's and house and know that we're his and yeah. we're his sheep and yeah. he is our God. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. First John five, or sorry, one, five to ten says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. This is Apostle John talking to his audience. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful contrast of walking in the darkness, which is like sin, secrecy, um, following kind of the ways of the prince of the powers of the, the air, as it talks about in Ephesians 2, uh, versus walking in the light yeah. as God is in the light. So are we w- are we ready to have our lives, realize that our lives are exposed to God, that he sees everything, that yeah. he has those kind of night vision goggles that can see all the pieces of our life anyway, so they are exposed to him. So why don't we walk in that light, yeah, knowing that, that he's seeing our lives? It's a huge part of God's will is to confess our sins and repent yeah. and bring it into the light. Yeah. Psalm 51 continues that same theme. I won't read it all. Just read a couple of verses. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash all all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's verse 1 and 2. And then verse 10 is very famous. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
want God to clean our hearts because we are so often wanting our own way. We're selfish. We're sinful. We are not following God's word. And so it's easy to go back to the Psalms and just make it right. Yeah. And pray those things. Yeah. Pray, God, create in me a clean heart. Wash it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says this to the church, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're commanded here to rejoice, to be thankful, to be reasonable, to not be anxious about anything, but present everything to God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So thanking God for the the fact that he's at work in our lives and that he is bigger than all these things. Mm -hmm. And yet coming before him and asking uh, for his guidance and his direction. Yeah. It's also important, a part of God's will that we are obedient to his commands in the Bible, his moral commands. John 14, 15 is something that I would encourage you to memorize. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. Just simple. goes a little bit further, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, which we know to be the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who works inside of us as our conscience to remind us again of what is true and what is false and what is honoring to God and what is dishonoring to him. Yeah. So some of these things have had general commands, but this next one for Thessalonians 4 is like super specific. So anyone says, how do I know God's will? (laughs) Well, this tells you. (laughs) For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So that means you're becoming more holy. That is God's will. It says specifically, this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then how do you do that? Well, it goes on, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The second thing, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. The third thing, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So that's God's will, that you become more holy. Yeah. Nice and clear. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) He also tells us to go and make disciples. Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have that one memorized? You're going to read uh, it. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's Jesus on the Mount of Olives talking to his disciples before he's going. And he says, uh, Go therefore. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yep. and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded to you. And lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. Yeah. So his whole purpose of us is to make disciples, his purpose for us as a church, as individuals. And the way we do that is by going, mm-hmm. by baptizing, by teaching yeah. them to obey all that we've commanded. And so that's what our church is about. We want to go into the world, like locally and globally. We want to baptize people into the faith and we want to teach them as a teaching ministry to observe everything that God's commanded. So if you're wondering if on the side of the soccer field or in your neighborhood, you should invite people to church or you should pray with them or you should tell them how much Jesus means to you and why you are a follower. Yes, that's part of Matthew 28. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to ask that. Nope. Micah 6, 8 is something that uh, I sang when I was in choir in Bible college. And Mm. I'm so thankful when we do scriptural songs because I didn't even realize that I had memorized scripture. Matthew 6, 8 and uh, says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. All through Scripture, Old and New Testament, 
you read it, you will see clearly what is God's will. Yeah. It's so be- such beautiful words, right? Mm-hmm. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And the whole passion, uh, the next one is Colossians 3. But I would encourage you on your own to read all of Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Mm-hmm. talks, first of all, about all the things we need to put off or get rid of. That's also part of God's will. And then it ends beautifully with what we are supposed to put on. Yeah. Well, Crystal's going to read that part. Yeah. And this is kind of, this is put on individually, but also within the context of the church mm-hmm. as a community. So it goes like this, First Corinthians, or sorry, Colossians 3, beginning of verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness and humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing sim, sorry, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, so again, that freedom, whatever you do, <laughs> in word or deed, yeah. do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah. Let's close there. Why don't I pray for our listeners? Sounds good. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that your word is clear on what we need to do in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so we pray that your word will be clear to the people who are listening, that they will want to read it and study it and know your revealed will. And Lord, in the secret things, would you continue to work so that we can look back and see your hand at work over our lives? Because that's always very exciting. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, we go into this day. You know the tasks and the things that we all have to do, our listeners and ourselves. And we pray that you would help us to love you and honor you with everything that we do in word or deed, as Crystal just read. Ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. 